Welcome back to part two of the Hennessy Falls podcast, proudly presented by Aloha Surf Manly. So let's have a chat about your podcast, right? Because you, you've got, and this is why I wanted to get you on as well, because I think it's the important um, platform that you can use to get your message out there. Talk us through the podcast and how much you're enjoying it at the moment. And you've had weight on. Yep. Tell us who you've had on too. You've had some rock stars. You, you're killing me. Yeah. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> well, I was going to get richer as well. I will get richer. You should. You should. But my, I, I think podcasting is, it's just, an, it's another platform to have just honest conversations with a microphone in front of you. I love, like Wade talked about it before, I love kind of like prodding a bit deeper with mates and like getting to know people deeper than the surface. And I feel like when it comes to mental health and learning mental health tips you need to prod that little bit further if you want to get something out of someone not saying that you're doing it to get something out of them but i feel like there's a lot of value in learning somebody going through something tough and that's where the podcast idea for mine came up i was like i love hearing great stories and i feel like if i can ask the right questions i can make those great stories valuable in a i guess mental resilience way for the listeners and i feel like a lot of people like the guests i've got have quite big profiles and have quite i guess this image around them by the public that that, 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 like you said the surfers have got this perfect life but we don't we're human we all have the same tough shit goes on in our life so I mean, Ryan Callan and I touched on before, his story is unbelievable. Everybody, I think, should go and listen to that because some, some of the lessons that he sort of talks about that he learned along his journey are unbelievable. And then, obviously, yeah, I had Wade on. He was great to talk to, like he said, about I might have been this kind of platform for him to open up. So he talked about that. I had Laura Enever on. Hers is really interesting. I'm trying to just add an extra layer to each person in, who has a big profile, like we had Leonardo Firavanti on there great getting to know his story a bit deeper than just like oh no way this kid's been spoon fed his friends with kelly like belly no way that guy's broken his back he's dislocated his shoulders right when that dream's right there he's had to sacrifice everything and i think i'm hoping the wsl is going to help me give a bit of a push because i feel like i'm just giving all their surfers extra depth and extra value and yeah i think just destigmatizing that mental health around professional athletes and yeah we've got i've got some good guests coming up in the next couple months so yeah i'm really excited to share that with everyone yeah i'll say it straight up i love it i love the show listen to ryan's interview i haven't listened to wado's yet but i will but yeah i just think you touch on things that are are deeper than you know than than most podcasts and i I think it's important for the public and in general to just know that these guys are not robots and and they are human people with you know with feelings and you know negative and positives as well and everyone's got their own journey and their own story and there's not a surfer in the world who hasn't had some hardships to Mm. get to where they are and that's what is uniquely brilliant about our sport is that it's not an easy road like it is it is one of the hardest sports to uh, conquer i reckon in the world oh 100 percent surfing i mean i've taught a lot of surfing You'll never see somebody go from like a beginner learner surfer to a level that you could even call half competitive in like on the world. You know what I mean? On like a QS level in less than like for a man, you're not starting surfing at 14, 15 and going to be a, you know what I mean? Be a competitive surfer. There's so much to learn in the ocean and it's continually evolving and that's where it makes it so difficult. I feel like... I mean, for me anyway, like I, I wouldn't say I'm a good snowboarder, but I can jump on a snowboard and after like a week of learning, I could get from top to bottom of a black run and be hitting jumps. You're not doing a turn after a week of surfing. You're very lucky to be going across the wave. I mean, 
What was your thoughts on that, Wade? Yeah, like you said, we're continually learning and evolving with what's going on around us. Like I love like the weather systems and how all that works and trying to read swells. And then I love progressing my surfing. So in here, like it's I even find it hard to figure out what to do to make this turn better and like how to like I, I work with the physios and the trainers and bead and we're trying to like figure out how to get my body into position and train it to get into position and then to see the effects of doing this turn that I wanted to do in the water just working on that it's it's just fun and you can go back and forth with people and see the effects and keep learning there's so much to it like there's you wake up in the morning and it could be how and onshore and horrible and it's a different style of surfing than a right hand point that's offshore and running like you just adapt in and it's just a good time always that's a, that's a good point you make before about you know the nuances of our sport right because part of our criteria is variety of repertoire so for those people out there who don't really get it you just basically can't do the same turn all the time because they won't reward it and it is a big part of it now to make sure that you can actually those little change-ups on each and every turn are, are a massive part of of you developing your arsenal on tour is that correct yeah definitely i have a conversation with bead either once or twice a year where we sit down like this and just talk about what i want to do and and sometimes i don't, I don't even know what i want to do and then we'll do a session and i'll be like he will, he might say something and i'll be like oh like what do you reckon about this because i have my my turns that i like to do and i feel comfortable with and i can put them together in certain ways but to make it different for the and the judges are in the same position as us like they don't want to see me do the same turn every time so if you kind of need to just keep building and and like those subtle subtle changes where people are like oh what like that was kind of cool or, or it can get stale or you just got to yeah you always got to be those little minute things where well, i'm aware of and it's just hard to do to make like make it consistent but they're, they're like the fun things because like when you feel it and you're processing it for weeks on end and you do like produce it and it looks good it um it feels unreal before we touch on some stuff on the tour you both come from very successful grassroots surfing locations waito coming from avoca when you grew up who are those guys you really looked at and like inspired you as a really young kid and how important is avoca been to your development it's been unreal the the people that i used to see growing up like powerly Right he was my favourite surfer of all time, still to this day, like Shane Powell. He's unreal, eh? Like, yeah. Was he good, like, to hang out with? And I never really hung out with him, but I'd just seen him surfing a lot. Uh, I was pretty young when he was around, but um, I remember he used to ride those fluoro yellow Alohas, was it? Yep. And um, he was just, just to see the way he surfs and approaches a wave at, like, I think I was only, like, 10 or 12 around then. It was pretty cool. And then it was kind of more of like the Ace and Micro and Drew Courtney's. And then Wilco was like the young guy in that crew who was like tapping into like their program the whole time while I was still at high school. And I remember even just going for the early surf with and Wilco was out. And then I go to school and see Wilco cruise in like the first or second period. I'm like, oh, I want that. Like, I can't wait till I just get my license and just kind of just be able to do that. And, um, just because I love surfing so much and I hated when dad pulled me out of the water at 7.30 in the morning. But those guys, like, there's a lot of, like, surfing around those areas, but we kind of always came across paths and just to see the, the way they, they surfed and how it all was, they just, they were um, all cool dudes, like, always keen for a chat and 
it just it was like like the way they pushed kind of my surfing and it was unreal and there was like everywhere you go even the local dudes at, at each break there's always a handful that that were ripping so you kind of always push and adapt into them how good was it for you to win the abb it was pretty sick that was oh look at Coops. you see his head he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> can we not talk about this please yeah no that was that was pretty sick and was it a lot was it a lot of pressure for you guys because um not at all did you you didn't feel that at all nah the my board riders experience would be a lot different than cooper's i've missed so many and like i know cooper loves his board riders and gets to compete him a lot more i for some reason just never got to really do them that much when i started competing um if i was home i would do it sometimes i would miss them and just like traveling around and being busy took over that but um every time i get the phone call to do a team event or anything for the board riders i'm always there and it's always a good time and all the boys who run that are just supportive and they just want the best out of us and to have a good time and it's always good catching up with them which they bring the good good times and the good surfing out of us with you coops I'll, I'll say it straight up all the time and i say to people when cooper puts on a jersey for narrabeen he is a different beast <laughs> That smile goes away. He's the most competitive human I've ever seen when it comes to his love for that board riders club. And I honestly believe like uh, your level of surfing, when you do surf for your club, you just, you just raise the bar all the time. How important growing up at such an iconic place has it been for you to be involved in the club? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously North Narrabeen is one of the best waves in Australia and has bred some of the best surfers in Australia. I'm so grateful that I've grown up there and been, I guess, invited into the tribe as people would, everyone who comes and surfs there would realize it's a bit of a tribe we have there. It's pretty, pretty localized, but yeah, I mean, all the guys there are like family to me, obviously having like Davey Cathals, Dave Vlug and guys like that, Chris Enever, all that sort of age group above me. I had like some very good role models who were successful in surfing just above me, like Wade said with Wilco. And then obviously Laura Enever as well has been like a sister to me since I was a little kid. So being around that success has been amazing. And then obviously the history of the club with like Simon Anderson, Damien Harbin, Nathan Webster, Nathan Hedge, Chris Davidson, you could, you know what I mean? You can write a book and there's been plenty of books written about it of the amount of success that's come out of Narrabeen. And I think just success breeds success. That's where I feel like I, if I didn't grow up in Narrabeen, I don't think my surf career would be anywhere near as, I guess, deep and gone as far as it has. But yeah, I mean, the wave's obviously good, but I think it's just a competitive There's nature at Narrabeen. It. Someone said that to me one day. I said, that is a load of shit. There's mm. way more to it than just the fact that Narrabeen's a good wave. Yeah. Snapper's a good wave. Like, Snapper's got a lot of chance. chances. You know, yeah, but <laughs> it's not, a good, it's not your, as good a wave your as... Your beaches, yeah. stats-wise, has, has produced more champions than i reckon anywhere in the world in fact one year i remember doing a manly daily article on it and you guys had four guys on the world tour mm. at one time i think it was nudes uh davo and bano mm. four guys from one beach that's the most incredible thing i've ever heard yeah so you are blessed but there's more to it isn't it yeah i think wade touched on it as well our board riders we go to, we go out there and we go hard like winning an opens in arabian board riders is not easy especially because brett bannister basically wins them all he won, oh. he's won like 12 or something stupid but i got one one year a couple of years ago i won the juniors and the opens together i think like davey's got one but 
I mean, you go down to our Opens board riders and the whole, you'll have 200 guys down there for the Opens final drinking beers and cheering everyone on and giving you support and telling you how you surf. And I, I think that's been great. Like we've been lucky enough that we've got like my dad judges. We have um, a lot of guys who kind of just love surfing so much there that get involved and one of our greatest actually i'll give him a bit of a mention kev short passed away a couple months yeah, ago which is man. a very great, great man so rest in peace to kev thanks for everything he was one of my biggest supporters so yeah thanks to him i know he'll be up there looking over us and judging my ways for me and letting me know how i'm surfing but yeah i, I think just the culture at narrabeen it might look hard ass and stuff but the kids coming up now are starting to be pretty respectful and yeah like i was saying our opens board riders every time we have a, a final it'll be me davey Geordie Lawler, Kai Warner, Dave Lug, and then Damien Harmon always puts his nose in there. He's the ice man, having him out there to surf. Surfing your board riders heats against two-time world champ. Like, not many people get to do that. Do you feel like these days, Coops, that you are one of the leaders in the club and carrying the baton for this generation? For sure. When it comes to team surfing, there's a lot more strategy and tactics, I guess you'd say, is involved than individual surfing if that makes sense. And we've had um, Craig Stevens, Tookie, as everyone knows him. I, I don't know. I've just always been really interested. Since I was young, I really like mathematics and I like strategy and whatnot. And I was always from a young age, I'd stand next to Tookie and watch him write down in his book, like this, this, like you need to go get three, back when the Jim Beam comps were on and it was yeah. like, you needed three ways. He's like, if you get five, 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 we'll get a hundred points. You're going to win every comp. And I was like, all right, sweet. So I think from a very young age, this was when I was like 12, 13, I was until I was 18 and could surf in the team's event. I was always very wary of that. And I think we just have a, a, a team of surfers that are very well equipped to surf good in tag surfing, especially because we're so competitive that nobody likes to fall off at Narrabeen. You don't get, you don't get the opportunities like at Snapper to get a hundred turns on every wave. So I think like between myself, Davey and Geordie, it's a pretty strong team when it comes oh, wow. to tag surfing now. And I think because I've had that, I guess, I guess you'd say I've got a pretty good brain on my shoulders. I can put together the tactics and, yeah, lead the team from the front sometimes. But, I mean, between me, Davey, and Jordy, you can pick all three of us to be your power surfer every time and do well. The things I've picked up about both your clubs is that I felt like when you guys won the ABB, the uh, personality of the guys and girls in the actual team, uh, it does play a part, right? Because I feel like there are some individuals who can be a little bit more selfish time-wise mm. and there's some guys who understand the logistics of that team format where you've just got to do your job, get in, get out. Like Because there are guys out there, and I'm not going to name them, who, who are looking for nines and because they think that, you know, I've got to get a nine. And, and in tag team surfing, that, that's a complete bullshit. Like you said, fives from every surfer on every wave would normally win you a heat. Do you agree with in that format, that tag team format like that? Yeah, 100%. And uh, I would say Ace would, would have been the back in between our kind of tactics with the team. And um, and he he was a dude that year who was getting the nines but wasn't using it at the time. And he did it three times or f- three heats in a row, actually. Like, And it was just ridiculous. He was getting those high scores in those quick period of times. And me and Wilco were getting the fives and sixes. It just kind of kept chipping out that and Ace was that backbone to get those high scores and, and produce it. But I think like Wilco got a nine, one heat as well in the semi. I think I got like a seven in the final or something. And But then Ace just kept producing those nines of like in like six minutes or something. And we, I remember one heat I wasted like 13, 14 minutes and I was like, 
I feel so bad right now, but you just kind of, it's all, it's always adapting in those teams events. It's there's everything happens so quickly. You don't get the time to have strategy. You just got to kind of not fall off and finish your little, is it 12 minutes you usually get? It's around about that. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just a tough one. And um, It's the quickest 12 minutes of your life I've heard. Yeah. Some people just go, oh my God, where'd that time go? I've got to get in. I tell you what, it feels good when you get it on the first wave in three minutes. <laughs> so let's talk about traveling on the tour. Who is the main crew that you guys actually head around the world with? And uh, how important are those guys for you to feed off in a competitive uh, environment? Well, right now I'm traveling solo on the tour. I've just been traveling with my filmer or like coops coming to an event i usually get a buddy every now and then get one or two events of the year but when i was on the qs uh before i qualified it was me cooper and donny dion atkinson and solly was in and out every now and then um but us three were working pretty much as a team i would say like you're relying on them to come through with um certain situations and they're relying on you as well and to have that support and like you trust in these people to be able to get through that situation in a foreign country and in situations that you can't control like it's pretty good to have someone that you can trust like that and we we worked pretty well i reckon us three there was there was blow-ups there's definitely blow-ups and, and and there was definitely good times um it was yeah it's, it was a good time there's good there's a, a lot of good memories from those those years it was probably three years i reckon we had had it where we'll travel in full time with each other and um you need that it's it's really hard without it yeah exactly and what about you coops on the qs these days who are you mostly traveling with you travel with billy a bit i've kind of, i kind of last year kind of just like bounced around i'm lucky enough that i've kind of got friends at most locations now that aren't necessarily core surf like in america um south africa I mean, Hawaii, We I, Wade comes over for the primes in Hawaii, so that one's a write-off. And then Europe last year, I did one event. I did two events with Banting and then one event with Wade. So I just kind of, once Wade qualified for the tour, a lot, a lot has changed for me. I mean, I've tried to more hand-select the events that I do, not having a sponsor. I kind of need to make sure that funds-wise it makes sense. But yeah, we, we had such a great time and such a good crew with between Wade, Dion and I. It was cool because none of us really had that big sponsor to be able to afford a coach or something or like we didn't have that, I guess, funding to be able to do that. So we kind of said to each other, like, let's just do that. Let's just be brutally honest with each other, like give each other the feedback that you're going to get from a coach. I mean, we watch each other surf. We know how everyone surfs. We know when they're making mistakes. And if we just had, like Wade said, that trust that, that you're given kind of no bullshit back and it's hard to swallow sometimes. I remember plenty of times Dan would be like, why would you do that? And I'd have an excuse and he'd be like, fuck, you like, yeah, need to give me an excuse. Like you did something stupid. And it's like, fuck yeah, I did. Yeah. I need to like get better at that. So I, I think having that trust and man, some of the memories we had, it's, just been, it's been a very grateful life traveling the world with like two guys who have the same passion for surfing and have the same passion for just being kind to people and being good people. It's uh, that's shaped who I am. And like Wade said before, it's probably half the reason why I've taken this path of, trying to shed light that everybody's a good human deep down and just trying to like uncover that in more people so wait how was that moment when you finally got your spot on tour and what were your memories of that day it was unbelievable it wasn't didn't really feel feel real um i'm well at the surfing oz house in hawaii like just prepping for all our heats there ace and wilco 
met me on the beach and congratulated me and I was just like, what's going on? And then there was beers getting sprayed everywhere at the surfing Oz house. And yeah, it just seemed like a, such a long process to get there, but it felt so, felt so right and, and like natural. It was just, it was, yeah, it was crazy. I, I still, it took me like, I wouldn't even know, a couple of weeks to process it really. There was so much going on. And even like by the first time I got onto the tour, uh, onto the first event I mean the the just was like whoa here it is like it just it was just bam like three months and here you're already surfing at snapper and I had a few wild cards I think I had two wild cards before my first event and like it was you couldn't even compare what was going on it was you, wild you had an amazing rookie year you made two finals in that year didn't you yeah you made J Bay and Rio is that yep. correct yeah how did that feel? Like you must have just gone, wow, is this a dream? Yeah, it was pretty wild. I had like a whole injury situation with my hip uh, before sunset and had like a, a lot to deal with in the off season and, and got through that and everything kind of fell in place. My surfing felt good, my body felt good and I had, I had to just, I was just super excited to surf really and never enjoyed surfing bad waves in the qs it was so frustrating and like I, you always get people telling you like oh, you, you're going to kill it on this who are you going to kill it but i i didn't believe i was going to kill it i just believed that i was going to actually enjoy surfing good waves and and do good surfing that's all i've ever wanted to do and like first event snapper was like three to four foot and fun as and and it just kind of built from there and um rio will surf on like a right hand wedge getting barreled and i kind of reckon that kind of just built up from the junior series as well every time you got good waves you get lucky and the event turns on and um and it is it's a kind of it was a skill in the junior series to surf good waves well there wasn't many guys who could surf good waves and and get through like they could get through in a one foot slop but as soon as it got four foot and offshore on a wall like you could bank on or had the confidence to beat people. And I kind of had that confidence from then. So I just used that and went through the year. And this Brazil comp turned out good. I just had my little routine and knew, like, knew that the setup of the wave. It was a, a completely new wave. I'd never surfed it before, even before the day the event started. Because we, we, three times I never surfed. Yeah, we, it was the other end of the beach. And you wouldn't, oh, I didn't even know that wave was there. When, we, when me and Coops used to go there, it was crazy. And then it just, yeah, it just worked out kind of carried it through to J-Bay and um, I went to J-Bay with Cooper, yeah, the, that year and we've, we went there the year before. Mm-hmm. It was just a surf trip and scored on real ways and that was the first time I'd been there and like that place is special. It's, we were staying across the road the first time just waking up for five days straight looking at these crazy beautiful walls and then to do that in, in Irashi and like it was pretty much the same. I'd say the week... I got second, which was the exact same week we had free surfing. It's just going out there, doing your turns, going fast and having a ball. And then I ended up being on the podium with a trophy. And you can't, like, it's just such a good feeling. I didn't have any expectations that year. It just kind of worked out because I was so happy to surf good waves. 
I've read some stuff uh, regarding you, Wade, and the perception that you know that you sort of fly under the radar. And I don't actually think that's a lot of shit. I don't think you fly under any radar just because you're a little bit quieter and not a more known name. I, I think that the strength of your surfing is your consistency. How do you feel towards the tour? Like, do you feel like at ease now with every wave on tour? Uh, not every wave. There's still there's some waves that are just so difficult, and you can tell there's knowledge in the wave that you need to learn and okay. i'm still learning that but there is like there's there's definitely ways that i've paddled out at the first day i've been there and had a connection and, and kind of know what's going on so i guess everyone's different it's just where you grow up and what you're used to surfing and maybe i'm adapted into more waves than other people are and then there's this like pipeline and and chopu are definitely like this complete foreign way because i've only ever done uh, i've done two men's trips now and i would say that they're the only coral reefs i've surfed in my lifetime wow. on that and i've and like i've most of the guys on tour have done over 10 probably or more and even surf these like chopu waves and that way more than me and, and even pipe like i used to go to hawaii and just surf haliver and sunset and never even go to pipe just because I was so focused on the, um, the ways I had to surf and just dedicated it to that. So I was kind of behind the eight ball on those tricky ways, but it's a, it's a path I'm interested in taking and to learn how to surf these waves. So I'm dedicated and going to put in the time. Coops, if I can ask you, uh, you know, Wade, better than most people, right? Where did you think that his strengths would lie on the tour? Did you think places like J-Bay, Snapper... Knowing the way he serves? Yeah, obviously the right-hand points, it's very hard to compete against Wade. I mean, I can I can attest for that on the Junior Series. I remember very clearly a heat at Stratty at Cylinders where I'm, I'm putting in the best performance I can put on on my forehand and still getting comboed. So I was like, these guys are going to have trouble against you on tour. It's just very hard to match the power that he can produce on his forehand turns. And I think, I guess, Michelle's probably the only other guy on tour that you'd even semi-compare. Um but yeah, I, th- I think with the heavy water waves, like I've, me and Wade, like he was saying, had done a trip to the men's and we had like good solid six to eight foot, like solid left pits and he's amazing in them. So when, I wouldn't say struggling in chopes and stuff, I think it just really highlights how bloody good those guys are that are good out there and how much time and comfortability they have in those waves. And I think it just comes with time and learning. And yeah, I mean, I'd love to see Wade or even go over with Wade to chopes and spend like a month there like when we can travel again hopefully when the tour is not on and put in the time and you know what i mean like work together i feel like the amount of times that we've gone on trips and learned so much together it's like like jay bay i was there with him when he got second and I, it, was, it was cool like all the other guys have got their like mega paid coaches and blah 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 and it was just me and wade and his filmer just having the best time like rocking up they wouldn't even let me in the competitors area with his spare board because he'd already given his passed to the to tyler wade's filmer so i was like oh well, i'll just sit down here and watch him and you'd have be like what do you think about this and i'm like dude just go and surf just do those turns that you're doing and you can't get matched so yeah like he said it just comes back to that trust and knowing the people who are in your corner and the people that are doing it like because they want you to succeed not because they want you to want to line their pockets so i want to throw this question out to both of you guys wave pools i'm a firm believer that the traditional route that we take when it comes to competition surfing should be in the ocean 
even though I can see the actual positives when it comes to developing skill sets in a wave pool, I'm just not a fan to have wave pools when it comes to actually the world tour. What is your take on the wave pools? I was thinking about this actually in the surf this morning. I think, I guess, fees, it's a different sport almost. I think it's almost going like from vert skating to street skating. Like it, it should be, there should be a wave pool world tour. Maybe like have a wave pool world tour where you surf all the different wave pools. It's a fixed wave, you know what I mean? It might be a, a little more subjective than it might make it like gymnastics where everyone's using the same apparatus you're all using the same wave but ocean surfing is always going to be its own thing and i find it very hard to compare them i've been to kelly's wave pool surfing australia we're like we're kind enough to take a group of us over there um, a couple years ago and it's an unbelievable training facility it's unbelievable for repetition but it just doesn't have that it's just not the ocean there's not that unpredictability that is surfing what about you, Wada? I'm not a fan. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I can coops now. It. Like it's a different sport. I like like rocking up to the beach and like having the different um, conditions that you can just adapt to and surfing and the whole just unnatural feel about it. Just I don't like it. There's no the power you draw from the wave, the turns you even do. There's they, they don't even compared to a turn you can do in the ocean and i don't i just yeah i don't really like how they kind of mix normal waves and a wave pool on the tour have you guys been to urban surf uh no i haven't crazy it looks fun it is fun to be honest but it's the feel i got out of it when i went down there was that the density of the water there's something about it just doesn't feel like you're surfing a wave yeah it's definitely there and it's definitely a i reckon it's a great tool for uh, for the younger crew to learn their craft but I just as for the tour even though Kelly's wave and I've never been there it looks amazing when you guys are surfing it I just don't there's you know the thing that separates our sport is you know no two waves are ever the same yeah. they've always said that yeah. right? and it feels like that wave actually is where would you like to see a, a big event go down which will be more you know more susceptible to uh, just really letting the surfers free up because the QE is a grind. Like, mm. a, there's no no doubt you said it. Like, some really good surfers never made the tour uh, because they just haven't, can't adapt to the QE grind. Where would you like to see a really big event on the QS being taken place? Obviously, Narrabeen, huh? There was, there was World Juniors there up until I turned into a junior. <laughs> they brushed it. I, I never got to surf an actual event at Narrabeen. And now they're, now they're doing, like, Rip Curl Grom searches there. And I, we had gotten past that, but we won't talk about that. But, um... Wave wise, yeah, I think the queue yeah. is a hard one because the, the, the thing is the the period's so long that it doesn't matter how world class that you're not going to find anywhere in the world that you're going to get seven days straight where they usually what they usually need to run five days if they're doing men's and women's QS. I've, I haven't been to a spot in the world where you could pick a seven day period and get five days good waves like that's I guess condition dependent like lowers maybe which was great when I was a QS but. It, it, it kind of needs to be on a beach break or somewhere that's quite consistent around that time of the year, but it's it's hit and miss anywhere, really. Like, we get great waves at some point. Like, Bolitos in South Africa, we get really good waves usually. Um, Pantene? Pantene was... It's off and on, isn't it? Off and on. The Portugal is pretty good. Like, Portugal, we generally get... Like, I think the main thing is, as long as we get swell, it makes it competitive. When it's small and it's just so one-sided, when it's small, the, not... I'm not saying that the Brazilian guys aren't good when the waves get good. They flog me in all conditions. But when the waves are tiny, there's some guys that are 
very well suited to small waves and the big guys struggle but i mean i guess you can flip it and have the other perspective when it gets six to eight foot there's guys that come into their own and other guys struggle so i think it's just finding a bit more of a balance say to places that would have a bit more heavy water and then i think the guys who get on tour would probably have a bit more success than just this qs being basically small waves most of the time i um i still reckon that they should nearly change the qs to run before each ct event still i've kind of been saying that is a great has anyone ever brought that up honestly and said could that happen i i think they might have i don't know to be honest but that's the best way to get the people who deserve to be on the tour going through the qs because they're surfing the events that they're going to be surfing the year after and they've they're going to be the right people so like there's not going to be that many people who like because the rookies have that disadvantage of surfing different ways and finding out the knowledge of these waves yeah it wouldn't have to be all 11 because like how many qs's are there but i don't know if it was eight you could have the challenges doing that yeah the challenges series do do the week before each ct event and um and that could decide the wild cards even as well to get into that event and it's just going to really line up the ct for the next the coming years because there's always going to be the good surfers at those good waves question for you coops on the uh changes that they're predicting for you know wsl moving forward the whole point about regional uh qs's you reckon that's going to be better for people because it is a struggle like money wise if you haven't got someone like pumping corn in you Mm. it's hard to get around the world yeah i think that's kind of something that my dad and i have been talking about for years it's like it seems not unfair but there's so much travel that's involved to get like you were saying before halfway around the world for a 25 minute heat and the wsl i think have done at times a pretty poor job of it sending and that they generally tend to tend to the wct surfers like there was times last i think it was last year the year before where we had two events in or event in portugal an event in the azores and then an event in um spain but they had like a three and a half week gap in between them and it's like come on guys like you can you can't expect guys coming 40 hours travel from the other side of the world and then they do that because then the ct guys can just do the events right before which i can understand it's a business but i think there's been some mismanagement just to make the sponsors and the ct guys happy when it's like well there's like 120 guys on the QS trying to get there that are struggling with no money and the guys on the CT are the ones who can afford if they need to do both tours sweet they can go over and do like another you know I mean two three weeks travel it's like but I think that's been a bit mismanaged and I think doing a regional thing will make it a lot if it's a regional and a oh what's the word and a bit more of a six months thing like a season I think it's going to allow guys to yeah have other things than just surfing on their mind like i was saying before i'd never had the time to focus on any other projects or get a trade or get a full-time job or go to uni because i was just always traveling whereas now i feel like if we have a six months on six month off great you can like focus six months on doing something else and setting your life up after surfing there's so many people that i guess end a qs career that are late 20s with not much going for them and it's like i think that's wrong and i think too many professional sports just suck the life out of their athletes and spit them out the side. And, and I think this is a good step in the right direction to help, I guess, people transition into life after it. Because, I mean, being a professional athlete lasts you maybe till you're 30, 35, if you're lucky. There's a lot of life left in people that generally have their full identity wrapped to that one part of their life. 
Last question for both of you guys before we wrap it up. How important has family been to your careers and having that support at home? Yeah, for me, family's been great. I've been lucky enough to be raised by a family that's still together. My parents are actually trying to call me right now to have lunch. They're up here on the Gold Coast meeting my um, so my Dave, sisters. Just, just wrap it up. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, they're all it's good. No, no, nah, nah, but yeah, my parents are great. My dad's like heavily involved in surfing. He's my biggest fan. My mum's awesome. She's always been there for me, supported everything I've done. And then, yeah, I've got a younger sister who surfs really well, Sophia. Older sister who's great, who's been great in supporting my career. He's best friends with Laura. Dates a guy that used to be, well, married to a guy that used to be a pro surfer. Okay, I'll, I'll ask you a question. When, <laughs> when Fish was coming through, he used to torture me. Is he as mad as he looks? Nah, Fish he's is alright. He's got a great heart, eh? Oh, he's got the best heart ever. He might be. He's that guy that can avoid any situation just by he's laughing. The funniest guy I've ever met. <laughs> he's great. I mean, and it, it makes every dinner when my sister and him are around extremely funny but yeah he's got a heart of gold and i know he's um always he's got the best intentions for everyone when he's with him he might talk shit and take the piss but he's a good bloke hey i'll tell you he was an exceptional junior like when he came through fish i was actually sad that he didn't really give the qs more of a crack but yeah i mean hats off to him he's made a career out of music and He's one of the best DJs in the world, right? Yeah, I, I, I did an interview with Stab about oh, probably two years ago now, and they were like, oh, tell us about Fish. And I was like, mate, you watch. He's going to be the highest paid professional surfer of all time. Maybe not all time, but fuck, he's, he's well and truly on his way to being the most successful, if you want to still call him a surfer, which he isn't. But yeah, he's, he's doing pretty well for himself, and he's, stayed tr- and he's just doing what makes him happy and it's so sick to watch he, and he's making other people happy he's, you know, he's found that niche where he's doing something that he loves he's got millions of people loving what he's doing and yeah he's just bringing joy to people and I mean I guess that's what everybody wants in their life and yeah he's been extremely successful out of it and uh, Wado your, your support base over since you've been a kid yeah it's been unreal my mum and dad have been for, for, uh, there for me for every step of the way pretty much still are they um they love coming up here and hanging out and and seeing what I've become up here and they're still a part of my life heavily and um, I wouldn't change a thing about it. They're always there. My brother and his family's always there for me and it's refreshing going home. Even my grandma and pop are, are supportive too. Like they um, were here for the first event at Snapper and I got like got some shirts made up and they all, they still wear them when I go home. It's that funny. Yeah, it, it, uh, yeah it's a, I'm a part of a great family and they haven't been super involved with what I've been doing. They've just been super supportive, I guess. So uh, they've really let me just set my path, which is I feel like is like the perfect way. Well, you're both on different journeys. One is on the tour. One is trying to qualify for the tour. But you guys are, you know, a big part of the Australian landscape of surfing and we wish you all the best in the future on your journeys in life. Thanks, boys. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having us. Cheers, Jimmy. Good to be in here with you, mate. Been looking forward to this. <laughs> the Hennessy Files podcast series, proudly presented by Aloha Surf Man. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to check out next week's episode. <laughs>